Max White, everyone. See something funny. It wasn't funny! I guess I'll just call it Max White Presents. I guess it's decent. Yeah, Max White Presents will work. We're going. We're live. We're here. Max White Presents. We have a very special guest. It's me. It's comedian Sam Evans. How's it going, Sam? Um, good, man. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Thank you Max. for coming through on this uh, blustery, blistery. Is it blustery or blistery? Yeah. Uh, cold. cold bluster, blustery. Um, yeah, it's cold. My hand, my skin is already starting to get um, dry. I get oh. that problem really bad in the winter. Need to I, hit that cocoa butter. And yeah, get that lotion. Yeah, yeah. I need you. to hit lotion. I need to do all of it. I even I felt my butt cheeks this morning, and they felt like reptile scales. That's <laughs> that's probably pretty hard out of the gate. Is I'm it? Sorry. No, I think that's. Uh, it's just why did you just decide to feel them this morning? Is it like a normal? Check? I just just noticed. Like I know that that happens in the winter, but I got out of the shower. I like dried off, and I was like putting on underwear and pants, and I was like, Jesus Christ. My my skin feels what is this wretched. alligator behind yeah, me yeah. man so, it's, i put uh, on a little bit of lotion but i'm gonna reapply when i get home you know is that all you can think about right now is the reapplication process uh, only because it's on my hands too yeah and it never it gets worse every year that i get older um my skin gets really dry and my dad was a surgeon and they have to wash their hands all the time and i remember him in the winter his like knuckles would crack and bleed just because he has to wash his hands so much and that dries him out you know holy shit so yeah he would have to like so uh, you, your father sleep. actually has like the hands of a surgeon and then mm -hmm. you're a stand up yeah yeah what, uh, what happened <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, I don't know. Well, my dad didn't want any of us to be sir. He, I have two older brothers, and, okay. and he he was like, I'm sure he would have supported of us if we had wanted to do that. But he was just always like, you know, want to be a doctor. How is like what type of surgeon is he? General surgeon. Okay, so general. I always tell people like anything from here to here to here, from your neck to your groin. Does he? Uh, is he like very knife happy? In that one of my friends' dad's a surgeon, also general, and uh, like he would have any bit of like issue, and he'd be like, "Ah, oh, we can we can work on that." Like for instance, he got a deep gash once, and his dad just cut out the gash in the entire area in his leg. <laughs> Your dad not like that? Um, this guy was pretty psycho. I would, he was a Marine, too. Yeah, I wouldn't say he was knife happy, but I did have, like, I had a, this is gross, but I had a cyst. Yeah. Like, just a, a, a giant um, zit, really, that wouldn't come to a head and kind of turned into a cyst, like, above my eyebrow. And then I had another one on the back of my neck. This is gross. But my dad, both times, was just like, yeah, just come in, and we'll just cut that out. Just lance it? Wow. Yeah, just lance it. My brother was there for one of them, and he was like, it's the coolest uh, slash most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. And obviously, your dad being a surgeon has like this, probably like a stronger stomach than mm -hmm. pretty much anybody. Are, how are you? Are you squeamish with stuff like that? No, I'm pretty good. Yeah. yeah? Blood, there... blood doesn't freak me out, really. Pus, stuff like that. Even like a poo smell. I'm like, well, that's poop. Yeah, but it doesn't bother you. Is there yeah. anything that does at all? Um, There's one trigger? Uh, actually, no. In terms of like being nauseated, I'm pretty good. It's pretty recent in my life even that... And a big reason why I don't drink hardly at all anymore is that I, when I get hungover now, like, not until I was in my 30s did I ever vomit when I was okay. hungover. And that's a really recent development for me. Oh. So I've just, like, <laughs> stopped drinking. Is it? Uh, I, yeah, I think um, uh, I didn't puke until I had a hangover until relatively recently as well. Mm -hmm. Remember when you're younger and everyone's like, oh, wait till you get old. I remember being 18 in college and like laughing. I thought the hangovers were funny because everybody had one and it would be kind of a fun thing. Yeah. Now they're fucking, they're hell. Yeah, and hell. they ruin your, they take days away days. from you. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I went out the other night for a Christmas party here mm -hmm. and it's like two or three days later and I'm still feeling the effects of yeah. it. And yeah. like I've ran in between, like I've tried to sweat this out, but there's uh -huh. just no faking it. Yeah, it's a very, very strange thing to feel. And I don't feel like I'm old by any means, but I am old enough to feel feel my body aging you know i can definitely tell when your body is pissed at you yeah. like when you're like you've not been taking care of yourself do you yeah, find yeah. yourself when you get hungover that you're like more susceptible to getting colds and flu and stuff like that Yeah, colds and flus and especially i am so bad about even outside of drinking just staying hydrated that's like a real problem i don't drink enough water okay uh and my girlfriend now is just like you're fucking crazy i used to get like headaches all the time and I'd yeah be like i feel like i'm hungover and she and my roommate would be like yeah you're dehydrated you idiot it's like that's still not enough to make you fix it though yeah because everybody what's this dehydrated thing it's a fad mm -hmm. i didn't really drink much water when i was like a big pop kid 
I drink like lots of pop. Yeah, I I'm from Cincinnati. So do you say I lived there for years? I'm but from Toledo originally. You're from I, Toledo? Okay. Yeah, right. yeah. But okay. I lived in Cincinnati for like uh, seven years. Okay, me too. But oh. did you? Um, uh, did they call it pop or soda down there? I can't remember. Uh pop. Well, since it, you Shit, know, I don't I know Toledo. Bad. They call it pop. Okay. Oh, sorry. Um, in good. Cincinnati, I don't really remember it as much. I feel like pop because I would have. People freak out when you say it here. They're like, what? And I, I'm never fucking changing. Yeah. So it is stupid. Mm-hmm. What do you my, say? My, I say pop, but. These are hard-hitting issues. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, my cousins are from North Carolina, and they would laugh if you said either one. And they're like, we call it a drink. Oh, I'm really? Like, yeah, but if you say that here, it's like somebody gives you booze. Yeah, I, I went and spent, I, like I spent a lot of time in New Orleans, and they ask, uh, what kind of Coke do you want? Because mm-hmm. every every yeah, type of pop of is Coke. So yeah, you're like, yeah. I'll have Mountain Dew Coke. Yeah, yeah. That's just, but then. It becomes like a Kleenex R for tissues. Yeah. And <laughs> it's just a, how uh, big of a moment would it feel to know that something you invented became a blanket term for it? I think that's the crowning achievement. Yeah. Right? That's it's, like, it's very hard for your company. Well, no, I don't want to say that because I don't know anything about business. Yeah. I want to say that it'd be very hard for your company to fail, but that's not true. I don't sure. know. Maybe well, maybe once you once like Google was in the what Google's in the dictionary now. So I read in a Snapple yeah. cap or something. Mm-hmm. Told me once. Yeah, yeah, and Google is kind of that blanket term. You yeah, could be like Google it, and really it just means like any search engine. Yeah, that's weird. I remember like working at the skate shop when I was younger, and my boss at the time who owned the place was like, "These fucking search engines, like you guys don't even use these, do you? They're total fad." And he was like this fifty-year-old Jewish man. <laughs> really? At the time, and uh, I remember tell I, I remember being like, "No, no, I, I use it all the time." And he's like, "No, you don't." Ever. And that was, there's people like that out there. They yeah. said the same thing for the internet and civil rights. <laughs> like they're all, it's all <laughs> these civil rights. <laughs> it's all saying like, it's, it's so hot right now. <laughs> <laughs> Get over yourself. Oh God, you don't use those, do you? Oh, that's funny. What else is going on? How's uh, New York? How long have you been here? I've been here four. Uh, it'll be four years in January. Mm-hmm. Holy shit! Yeah. I just met you relatively recently. I met you at uh, mm-hmm. over the eight. Yeah. Which is gone now. Yeah. Yeah. It's done. Is it done now or it's done after think, New Year's? They think they have a few more left there. Yeah. But Brandon Scott Wolf and uh, Lucas. Do they and, have their final one? I don't know if they had the. Uh, no, because they, they did Halyards this past Saturday. This That's is right. very inside baseball. But yeah. uh, that that room was so good. Uh, all the shows I do are really cool, though. Mm-hmm. And then what, so you came directly from Cincinnati to here? Yeah. I had never lived outside of Ohio, even. I grew up in Toledo. I went to Cincinnati for college. And I started comedy there, so that was like seven years altogether. And then I just came here. Are you Bearcat or Xavier? Bearcat. Ah, yeah, nice. barely. Nice. I don't really have like a ton of like school pride or anything. Me either. I graduated barely, but I don't know. What was it like? Because uh, what your clubs are like the Go Bananas. There's a Funny Bone there. Go Bananas and the Funny Bone. The Funny Bone Newport on the Levee Funny yeah. Bone was closed. It's and, gone now. Yeah, yeah. I went there for my. Someone brought me there for my birthday. That was like one of the first stand-up shows I ever saw. It's Kevin Nealon. Oh, really? And I made the mistake of watching his sets the night before, and it was verbatim. <laughs> really? And this is before I knew anything about comedy. That's and so I was like, like, what oh. a fucking ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, I'm like set number 600 for the year, and I want, give me something new. <laughs> Riff, Kevin. Oh, that's really funny. No, so, okay, so good. So the Funny Bone's gone now? Just all gone? The Funny Bone in Newport is gone, and then they opened up a new one in, I want to say, West Liberty or something like that. It's like north of the city, but far enough away from Go Bananas that it's not affecting it too much. Yeah, I feel like there's probably different crowds than like for a Go Bananas and a Funny Bone. Funny Bone's very much like a mm-hmm. mall event, you know, like, like yeah. the levee. I do hear that the, because I never, I was on stage at the Newport Funny Bone maybe three times. Oh, nice. I was not a fan of it Yeah. Um, as a room, and I hear that the, uh, Liberty Funny Bone is much, much better. That's better cool. Run. I'm trying to think where West Liberty is. That's like North Cincinnati. Is that past Westchester? Yeah, I want to say it's like up a little ways past Westchester on 75, right? Okay. Do you know that I first moved to Cincinnati? So I worked in corporate real estate when I lived there. And I, uh, like one of the first people I went out with, I was like looking at properties to buy. We went to Middleville. And mm-hmm. I was like, how bad could Middleville be? No, I'm sorry. We were in Hamilton. Okay. And, uh, Right when we walked up to the property, I saw like a full-on drug deal go bad right in front of me. And like I have experience in bad neighborhoods uh-huh. and like seeing like whatever I've been around it, but it was amazing because they were just like white trash. But it went it went down. Like what happened? Like they beat, uh, beat no, each other up? Or yeah, like, yeah. Like, it went down, and then someone. No, I didn't see any guns, but like uh, 
the there's like a girl driving a truck for, and this all happened within like 12 feet of us which is it, it speaks volumes that they don't even care about people that are in there you know what i mean but it was like this like like white trash lady driving a pickup truck her boyfriend they were trying to cop and like drugs and uh the, the dealer was on the thing and i think they even tried to drive off or something but the dude just reached in the in the truck and started pummeling him oh and i had God. like a 65 year old like client in the car he's like a wealthy guy but he couldn't stop laughing <laughs> And it could be my imagination or not, but I remember him saying there's something sexy about drug deals. <laughs> like something really, <laughs> yeah. And this dude is like a full-on slumlord style guy too. And you're like, okay. Well, I was like, all right, well, I guess I don't have to worry about protecting this old guy before. Yeah. That's a very, uh, people ask me about that. They're like, what do you think of that city, Cincinnati? And I really do have a fondness for it. Uh, but I also, it's also due to like comedy and college. Like I was there to do like fun yeah. things, you know? Uh, but there definitely are like, pockets of cincinnati that are terrible you know and there is a lot of racial tension and stuff yeah like that. i got my apartment like in downtown is on uh on fourth street like in 2005 okay and so they used to call it white flight because after reds games and the Bengals games everybody would leave the city that and was so, also that's post race riots so yeah we were there that same at the same time because i got there it was after the riots because my fall of 2005 yeah. yeah yeah so exactly so yeah so they're there and i remember being like my apartment was a high-rise downtown next to the stadium. I got a free month to move in, no security deposit. Like, really? it was just, like, kind of – it was a really nice place, but yeah. you could tell. And then, like, my car got broken into a couple times. One mm-hmm. time it got – I just walked out and my car was gone, and I called the police and filed a report. Like, mm-hmm. over a week went by, my insurance company already, like, cut a check to get a new car. Uh-huh. And the Cincinnati police just called me and said, we have your car. We impounded it because it was out-of-state tags, and we thought really? it was stolen. But they told me this. The cop – uh, didn't turn the paperwork in before the weekend, so it was lost in the lot really? for like over a week. And they, it was an all-wheel drive car, and they fucking towed it, and it destroyed it Fuck totally, it tore, totaled the transmission. And I still, I mean, I got insurance and everything out of it, but I still had to pay like $323 in court fees. That's terrible. It was like, that That was the general sense of it down there. Yeah, real Cincinnati, post, that, that downtown area has since been like hugely built up. Like yeah. Everybody's moved back and stuff. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was a very weird time. Super uh, post Cincinnati race riots. I didn't live there when the race riots happened, but um, yeah, you could definitely see the effects, and it's still there today. It's a very pocketed city. Yeah, like over the Rhine. I mean, it used to be anything north of 12th Street, which is technically over the Rhine, mm-hmm. would get really ghetto really quick. You know, like real. But then they did that. This is super inside baseball. But they did like the Vortec unit, which the cops would just go around basically profiling. Yeah. And then they locked everybody up, the older people, like the OGs of the whatever. And then the kids were just left at their own devices. So then they started wiling out. They yeah. just started crazy. And we get reports in my office of all the crime going on. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, oh, this is at Sycamore and 7th. Someone got shot. And it's like, shit would normally never happen like that. But uh, it's a very weird, divided. You can, I mean, it's the, it's the border of the um, Mason-Dixon line, right? Uh yeah oh right there. So, yeah because yeah. it's the Cincinnati is the first Cincinnati underground railroad the r- river yeah. to Kentucky they have yeah. the uh, Freedom Center the that's uh, interesting place did you ever museum. go uh yeah once before yeah. Uh, it's pretty uh pretty strong stuff that goes yeah, on down it's there heavy. You see the history there yeah and then once you cross over into Kentucky do you like Newport do you know Newport very well uh Newport I know fairly well Covington I know more just because we would do shows around Covington and I had friends that I would like give rides to shows and stuff yeah in and around Covington where like so how did you even start in county you always kind of wanted to do it yeah 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 I always wanted to do it and then I had friends that were just, they just, it was actually, I was very fortunate. They were just like, oh, you should just get into this because you're funny. Um, and I did the bringer at Bananas. I brought like 15 people. Yeah. It went well because I brought 15 people. Yeah. I think if I've talked to my friend about this, he's a comic too. And we always say like, if our first times hadn't gone well, I would have quit immediately. Like I am so blown away by people like, yeah, my first time was terrible. Because I'm really? like, how did you keep doing it? Yeah. Wow, and it, I mean, I it, it was terrible, anyways. But I got a good reaction because I brought friends. You know. Do you think the first time would be better in a situation like that, or like in New York, where you see an open mic here and there's like six people? Um, for me, it was better like that. Okay, that's perfect. Because yeah. my my first time was like at this place called Tip Top. Uh-huh. in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And there was like over a hundred people there and then maybe go first. And I mean, it went really well. The host was super awesome. Uh-huh. Like he's like, you're first. And I mean, I was, I'm, I'm not going to have stage fright. I was terrified. Yeah. 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 It was like really, it was like, and, but then 
I didn't know I'd end up doing it for mm -hmm. the rest of my life. Yeah. You know, it's weird how that kind of mm -hmm. works. But then I see people do their first time here at like the, you know, like a creek mic at 11 o'clock and like That's no one so gives a brutal. shit. Yeah. But still, even it's like, mm -hmm. they'll be like, oh, it's my first time. And people will clap because yeah. they're generally nice here. But I wonder, I think you have to have like a great uh, self-esteem, you know? And because it, on the one hand, I'd be like, God, that would be terrifying because you probably won't do well just because it's hard even yeah. after having done comedy a while to like do well at New York open mics. But then also to go to a New York open mic, not do well your first time, but then see that a lot of people don't do well. Yeah. And you're like, oh, well, maybe I'll keep doing it. I guess that makes sense. And you have to, the open mics, like when I tell people, especially Creek, which is like, I love that. I, I love it. Because when I first got here, it took me like two months to even get anyone to take attention. Sure. Like, I mean, I was like doing okay in clubs and fine here. Yeah. But then like, you're just, before I knew him, but you got like eagle on his phone or like throwing shit in the corner, and you're like, "Where yeah. the fuck am I at?" I, that, well, the first times I noticed you was when you, I love eagle wit, but when you roasted him about throwing paper at that girl, oh, he's like, "Just <laughs> do you remember that?" Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember amazing. that. I like uh, doing that. Eagle, eagle, I love eagle too. Uh, but yeah, it's fun to call him on his shit, especially oh, when he's running that mic. Oh, it's so funny because <laughs> he doesn't give a shit, which is both good and bad. Yeah, because it makes you like sort of combat for his attention. Yeah, but there's a thing that I like where it's like uh, I always say it's like there's nothing cool about not caring like I'll do any show but like if the host is like man fuck this I don't want to be here I just don't really have much interest in it mm -hmm. but what is it about Eagle or people like there's not really that many people like Eagle but like it makes it kind of funny because he doesn't care and yeah. it's, it's kind of the whole part of it but when I tell people that come to visit you know, especially like out of town comics and I'm like hey uh, they're like how's this mic I'm like don't even think about laughs like if you get someone to look up from their cell phones like you're doing okay like, yeah that's all you know just it's a super big re I vividly remember that about the creek um, doing an open mic and this is when they would do open mics regularly in the theater space upstairs and I did my like a yeah and this is when I came having decided that I would move here okay. and I was like looking for apartments and I did my a material and fucking nothing <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> it was like no one gives a shit. Yeah, yeah. And I remember doing um, that same feeling. I'm like, oh, this will work. But then it was like a month straight, and I remember my naturally, I was like, oh, dude. Well, I'm gonna, I'm doing well in the West Village. Mm -hmm. Why don't I just stay there? But then I'm like, why am I in New York to get better? Right. Yeah. So why the fuck? So yeah, then yeah. I'm like, I'm gonna start going every fucking mm -hmm. night. That's a big thing. I hate when people are like, that mic's terrible because it's like, well, good. Then go and make it do well at the terrible mic yeah and, and it's and then the first i'll never like the first time i ever cracked there like ever got anything like it was a fond moment i mean it's mm -hmm. inconsequential in the scheme of the entire world obviously it's a three-minute mic mm -hmm. but you're like oh wait and you know what it made me a better writer yeah. because people there well, don't it, yeah it feels good the first time you know that you got a room you're like oh i did it yeah like i'm not crazy you like yeah <laughs> I, can, I can do this yeah like it does work and now there's like a formula almost where you can like you know like when you go up there just to get ideas out and mm -hmm. you don't even like give a shit like a lot of just premises too yeah but the way you kind of attack it you can still get the laughs there because people there are for the most part they're all grinders like we are so they like recognize that you're trying new things you mm -hmm. know but then there's nothing better though when you can see someone that's never been there before and the first thing you do is talk about the surroundings on stage oh there's a drum kit up here <laughs> and then like you can just people eyes just yeah. go right to their cell phone people riff on the room yeah, yeah. Okay. that's like one thing i the first time i ever did bushwick bears i made that mistake we were at lot 45 and mm -hmm. i said um i thought i was so funny i was like because the the microphone at lot 45 did you ever do the old bushwick bear show i did that yeah. so they had the foam cover on the mic and i uh -huh. was like if i get herpes from jericho <laughs> at this mic i thought it was so funny uh, yeah, and then yeah. I was like, done and then for 10 <laughs> minutes not one peep sure I made that mistake here. Um, the first, this was Graham and Jericho ran a different show here, but the first time I was there, I tried to riff on there being a bike ramp on the stage and oh, just nothing. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. There was a guy, it's amazing because there's a, uh, everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people do it. But the best part is there's like, uh, uh, I'm going to air quote bigger name comics, but they're bigger than comics that no one's ever heard of before. But sure. they, you know what I'm talking about? They could, they show up and you, you don't know who they are or whatever though, but they mm -hmm. have credits and whatever. But one dude was like pissed at the crowd because he's like, what? Wait, is this a fucking Ollie convention? <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. And then he goes, I'm surprised. I'll never forget. He's walking up and down the ramp and he's like, I'm surprised no one's ever talked about this. Like, hmm, yeah, man. We all make it. Like, oh, fuck, you're a genius. We never even thought about that. Do you have one particular story that's like your worst ever experience doing comedy, be it open mic or show? Um, I have to put you on the spot. No, I have a really good one. This is a really fun story. Um, 
there was a show, and they still do a show there today. Um, Lisa Trago runs it, and it's great. It's a different show. Um, but the venue is called Cake Shop Comedy, and it's really fun. I remember I loved it because when I first moved here, I was, like, working night shifts, and I was so mad. And so I would do mics, like, only at, like, 11 o'clock at okay. night or, like, 4 in the afternoon on a Saturday. Uh, and so I would go every week to this place, Cake Shop Comedy, and it was one where they would do a show, and then it would turn into a mic after the show. And also the show would always follow like a rock band, whoever the venue had booked that night. And so it would range from fucking terrible to like maybe pretty good. Because wow. maybe the people will yeah. stay around and be like, oh, this is great. This is like not what we expected, but it's cool. Uh, but the times where it was bad, there was one night where uh, I had been there a while and it was it was going well. And, then they, and I wasn't even there for the show. I was there for the mic afterwards. And it was so bad, it was funny. Um, <laughs> It had been like, I think like a dancier band, like everybody was like dancing at the show beforehand. And these two very, very effeminate gay men, their their uh, friend, this girl, I think they, they were definitely on something. I don't know what, but like a rave drug or something. Poppers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she had gotten locked in the bathroom there. And these guys loudly were, and the, the venue is just a straight shot. Like the bar is on the side of the room, the stage, and then just a straight shot back. And the bathrooms are back there in the back. But it's small enough that if somebody's like knocking on the bathroom, you can hear it on stage. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, we need help. We need help. Our friend is in there. <laughs> And and this is, the comedy show is going on, you know, and people and obviously like you know you're worried because you're like well we do want to like help her so then the the owner is trying to get in there she has somehow locked herself inside and she's passed out at first but then she wakes up and she just can't figure out how to unlock the door oh my god <laughs> and for the record those are very easy doors to unlock. yeah. yeah. So then they have to, and they're banging back and forth. She, you hear her screaming from the inside, like, I need help. <laughs> they call a locksmith who cannot get the lock undone. What the? So he has to. And the, the comedy show, this is what I love. Nobody ever just goes, ah, maybe another night. <laughs> no, not. <laughs> it just in, keeps going. No, not in New York at all. No, no. Uh, and they fucking drill a hole through, <laughs> through the door. The door is metal. It is metal. <laughs> It is a. It is the sound of a drill going through metal. A girl screaming over top of it, and two two guys like, "Oh no, oh no!" And the show goes the whole time, and then she gets out, and they're leaving, and they're like shitty about it afterwards because people have been riffing on it. Because yeah. are you going to ignore it? And they're like, "Fuck you, fuck you!" And then they leave. They come back five minutes later because she somehow lost her phone in that bathroom, oh or at least that's what she thought. So they were going in and out for another fifteen minutes afterwards and the show never stopped and it was bad the whole time <laughs> but it was so funny it's like those people are still around somewhere you oh yeah they got that like they're yeah. living their lives yeah, like yeah. you see those like <laughs> mid freak out ones what is it about new york shows that just don't stop they're like nope we're going like who gives yeah, a shit just in it i kind of do you like it better when they like so if there's not a crowd the, when they push the start time to wait or do you like when they just start no um i've seen it work both ways yeah. you know what i mean I've seen it like some shows have started with like two people. Yeah. And then they fill in, you know? That's and then crazy. some sometimes you start a show with two people and you better hope those two people don't leave. And then you get the feeling of you go first and then the two people leave and then you're like, I just walked hundred percent of the crowd. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like not exactly on you, you know, that's a hard but that's I love that because if you go anywhere else and people are like, oh, it's a light crowd tonight, and it's 15 people. Oh You're God. like, this is fine. This is great. <laughs> we'll be okay. That's what uh, I couldn't believe the first time I went back to the Midwest. And it, like my home club, um, uh, Dr. Gaines and Grand Rapids, and it's like over 200 people that all paid money to go. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, how is it? Is it weird crowds? I'm like, it's fucking T-ball. Like these people are, they want to be here. It's not an ambush show. Yeah, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Even the clubs here have a general sense, and you know, they're like, uh, wait, where's Lucy K? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, and I feel like. Uh, comedy in New York is so omnipresent that to me I was talking about this the other day with somebody where if I feel like in New York comedy is on a par with karaoke to the lay citizen as like oh that's a thing we could do tonight I guess yeah they're not like let's go but if you go anywhere outside New York or LA or even to an extent Chicago, like people are like oh that's the thing to do tonight yeah stoked have you done much in Chicago no, I spent uh, my first like prolonged stay there. I uh, not even that long. I did them the Chicago Comedy Exposition this summer. Oh, nice! Uh, which was really fun. It's a really well organized festival. I had a great time. Actually, that's where I spent my thirtieth uh, birthday. It was super fun. Oh, cool! Um, uh, my friend 
Katie McVeigh runs that. She lives here in New York now. She's really funny. I love it there. That's when I first started going driving over from Michigan. I'd go like every Wednesday because you could do two or three shows. And they have like mm -hmm. amazing mics. The ones you know people get on shows. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's yeah. like the first. I mean, it's the third biggest market mm -hmm. in the country. And so it made sense to me just to yeah. drive over there. Well, and you can't argue like the talent that like continually comes out of there. You yeah, know what I mean? for it's sure. It's like very fun. And that's another place that was similar to the Creek, a three-minute set at Cole's, Rebecca O'Neill and Sony Dennis's room. Have you ever heard of it before? Mm -mm. It, I was number 31 out of 50. <laughs> and I just went there. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do my A. I'm going to win everybody. Because, I mean, there's hundreds of people passing in the course of a night. Mm -hmm. And then um, just go up there and bomb. I oh, mean, anything that shit. even has a touch of chauvinism, I'm not even that type of comic. But, like, mm -hmm. you know, if you're fucking, eh, it happens. Um, so, yeah, um, it is. They, uh, if it, um, it's amazing because I remember going, I'm like, I need to rewrite for this. Like I need to get better and then you do it. But then you'll like leave the stage and like no shit handle birth goes up and you're like, Oh wow. Okay. This is Chicago is fucking the real deal. Like yeah, it's, yeah. it's amazing. I guess that doesn't make it the real deal cause he went up, but you just, you never know. That's your first like, well, yeah, no, I, um, I feel that way very much. I went, this is not exactly the same situation, but I remember vividly about, moving here i was here for a week and i had moved here with another comic uh and the living situation fell through completely we sort of had like a falling out but anyway i was like staying on a person's couch looking for a job yeah and just eating shit at open mics in the first week and i went to hannibal burris's show knitting factory yeah, yeah which was his at the time it's been taken over by other dudes since but um uh and he was hosting it and i was watching and it was a good show but i was like I'm fucking gonna go home. I'm gonna move. And then fucking Chris Rock did like at least 40 minutes to close it out. And it was insane. Yeah. It blew my mind. And I, and I, I was like fucking 15 feet from him. And it, it's to this day one of the best stand up sets I've ever seen. And I was like, oh, well, I guess that is at least one reason I'm here. Like, yeah. I would not have seen that. I moved here on January 1st of this year, and so it'll almost be a year, and I landed, and then my friend and I were like, I'm going to go to the cellar, just hang out, because I like, didn't have shows that night, obviously, and I was like, and then tomorrow I will start eating shit at open mic. So, like, I got here, and then we were walking by that parking garage on 3rd, and, like, Chris Rock and Jerry Seinfeld got out of a car, and they're like, okay, this <laughs> yeah. is a good place to be around, you know, yeah. like, just to have that energy around you, knowing mm -hmm. that there's, like sharks in the water you're like this is awesome yeah now i'm gonna go bomb at the grizzly pair yeah <laughs> well and you just kind of have to like stake your you just have to accept before you even move just kind of steal yourself and be like it's gonna suck for a while but yeah. i'm going to work and not worry about it and that's what's nice about i always say like that i think the time that i got the most better as a comic was when i lived here and i didn't have friends because i would write a lot more and i would just do mics all of the time yeah and stuff like that that's how it's amazing when i first got here i was like this is like boot camp like you mm -hmm. know what i mean like not no partying no girls da, da, da. but then you know you like meet people and mm -hmm. like great people that are really good friends now and then you're like i'm gonna do six mics in a night and then it's like i'll do one show and two mics and then you're like i'll do a show tonight and it's so easy to kind of fall off you mm -hmm. know where you see it but then it's I mean, New York is, there's so many great artists that have been eaten by the party here. You know what sure. I mean? Yeah. yeah it's yeah, like, yeah. and so there's eaten always the something party. going, there's something, there's always something going on. You know what I mean? It's like, and the more people you meet, mm -hmm. the more shit there is going on. You yeah. Know, like just the random occurrences that go on in terms of like what you could just like walk into a loft party. That's just like great mm -hmm. band. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But then you're like, I should be at mm -hmm. the Creek yeah. eating shit for three minutes. It's like something my brother told me before I went to college, but it still applies is like you can, there's always something to do and there's always somebody to hang out with besides what you should be doing. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's nice. so true in the comedy world. Like, like you can go to any number of parties any number of shows that like you're not booked on but you feel like oh i should hang out yeah and that's all like well and good but also like there's times where it's okay to be like no i'm, I'm not gonna go and like socialize tonight i'm gonna like write i'm gonna do like two or three mics or a spot if i have it you know yeah i noticed that too is like where you uh you know you'll go to these shows and like it i always have these conversations but it's like you're sitting in a room, say Knitting Factory, where it's like a just charged crowd. They've worked so many years on building that. And you're like, mm -hmm. God, I would love to have an opportunity at this crowd. Yeah. It would be so fun. But then you don't realize like all the work that's been put in there to build that crowd. And if every new comic that just showed up got onto all those, mm -hmm. it would really take out all the guts and like the, the best part about New York comedy. Because there's like joy in the suck. You know what I mean? You're like, this sucks right now, but it sucks because I'm in New York. Like it's, it's yeah, a yeah. good kind of suck. Well, and you, a lot of like your best 
victories will happen in the suck where like you're at a like you know everybody wants to go on stage and have every time they're on stage be the best time they've ever done comedy yeah but there's other times where like even though it's at a shitty mic or a room for six people you'll have a small victory with like a new line or like just not letting a small crowd bother you or maybe owning a heckler or something like that where you're just like man nobody was here to see it but like i i grew just now and i nailed it in a way that i know i did and that is valuable to me is it how long? I mean, I'm not looking for like a specific amount of days, but like, is it? Did you notice there's a point in your comedy where you're like, you'll have a new idea or a premise, and you'll be like, oh, there's something there. Like, but like, actually, there's something there. Like, you may just get the first words out, and then, God, because I've seen you, like, I've seen you work on that, like, crowds, and I've seen some of your things develop. Mm-hmm. Is it? That was like the biggest win for me in terms of me just being a newer comic and like coming up is like, because now I actually know when there's something that's going to work. You know, like I have mm-hmm. an idea and you can kind of like a lot of times like if it's a topic maybe I'm not good enough to talk about yet, I'll kind of shelve it until I have the tools to break it down. Mm-hmm. That's but, smart. But did you notice it like a turn like that in your comedy as well? Where you're like, oh, okay, this idea is going to work. It's not working now, but there's something there. Yeah. Um. Sure. Yeah. There's like a big... Did I notice like a point where that started happening? Yeah. Is there like, are you talking about like an epiphany moment maybe? Or? I don't know if it's an epiphany so much as like you're, it's like depending on like how you're developing your new material, you just know when like, it's like climbing Mount Everest with the different base camps. Like you go up one and then you go up two and you come back down one and you go up, you know what I mean? It's like uh, that, sure. but there's like a method to the madness where you yeah. know if once you get to that first camp, you're like, I can stop here and then I can like, uh-huh. you know, kind of reorganize and two work on forward. it. Yeah. Yeah, three steps. I haven't gotten like how to exactly explain it yet, and it's Mm -hmm. funny because it's like ether. Sometimes you think you have something, and then there's one I'm thinking of right now that just is not. It's not like I'm not good enough right now. The the worst is when you have like a new bit that like kind of just comes together, and you'll murder with it maybe like two or three times, and then it's just done. And you're like, what the fuck did I do? And you have to go back and listen to recording. (laughs) I mean, I listen. Do you record your sets and listen to them all? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Uh, Listen to them all. I should be better about that. Yeah, record them. I uh, like that. David Tell quote is like kind of like listening to your sets is a smelling salt of comedy. Yeah. And like in the nineties, like apparently like he had like a tape recorder that used to have duct tape all over it because he used to throw it against the wall. He gets so <laughs> pissed. But then like a lot of times you'll have something that works just like you said, like really good for the first week. Like it's like new fruit. Mm-hmm. And then you fuck it up because you overthink it or mm-hmm. talk too much. You have to yeah. go back to the original recordings and yeah. be like, oh, I'm just adding too much yeah. to it. Or even the idea that you're losing the initial excitement behind it. You know, there's yeah. something to be said for like that immediate emotional energy that you maybe have with it. And you have to figure out how to support that bit with that even yeah. if you've been telling it for a while that's uh man it's mm-hmm. nothing that i've ever done in my life has ever come as close to like such a fleeting victory as stand-up comedy oh sure because yeah, it's yeah. like you can one word's off and you can still be doing like a really good set but you're yeah. like fuck if you fuck up the one and that's like the part that you wanted to work on yeah, yeah and even yeah. though the rest of the set's good you're like well that was eight minutes wasted because yeah. that was the only part that mattered yeah exactly yeah. it's such yeah. a weird thing too or yeah. like you're uh it's like one thing i noticed is like when it, it's such a I don't know it's I can't explain to anyone else that hasn't done it here for a little bit mm-hmm. it's like the feeling of just when you're running around and you like do, you actually don't care what's out there crowd wise when you're working on new stuff yeah and people always say that but like it's mm-hmm. a thing in New York where you're like you just have to get the idea and need people to do it because you know obviously stand up yeah. is something you can't do at home mm-hmm. like you know yeah. and uh because if you're excited about the idea that's all you're thinking about that to me is when I I mean, I try to sit down and write, yeah, um, and I'm pretty good about doing that, but I always find that I have the best moments for bits. If I can start early in the night and maybe do an open mic or an early spot or something like that, and I have like two more times on stage that night, and if it goes well enough the first time, I'll just go straight from there to like another mic or another show or something like that. And I always find if I'm if I can be alone and by myself and like just moving and walking and getting on the train and riding that's when like bits will come together when you're just walking and i i, li- I like moving around like physically while that's you're thinking motion about creates it. emotion yeah, that's yeah. the thing yeah, yeah. no it's yeah. uh i've had that feeling like quite a few times though where you're like you feel like like the expression like tiger by the tail but you're really working on something and you're right you're like running from like the west village like okay i'm gonna go to you know wherever pit to do something really quick and then i'm gonna go to creek mm-hmm. uh and you can feel it kind of working and you're like listening to recording on the train and it's like i don't know how to explain it it's like a very like euphoric mm-hmm. you know it's like full-on creation mode yeah and then but what is it about like I don't know how to explain it because 
is there a point where like the bigger names like when you get higher up in your career are you always gonna be running around with these mics are you gonna be doing new shit at shows like what where do you see yourself like where do you for like project yourself being oh man i mean i hope i am getting up at like shows and stuff yeah and um i don't know i i i love new york but i don't know if i could like stay here yeah know? but i would when i started i always just wanted to like i know it sounded like people would laugh at me and tell this is a bad idea but i just wanted to be like a road headliner yeah for a while you know and after that i don't know i'm sure there's other things I would like to do, but that was the only goal I had for myself when I started was, oh, just, I would like to do comedy full time. Do you find it changing? Because like here it's more showcase style versus traditional host feature headliner. And you know, here's like the best comics in the world, like 15 minutes each, you know what I mean? Like when they're at the bigger shows, um, do you, does that change your opinion? Like when you're going back to the Midwest, like you just featured at Go Bananas. Is it, how is that? Because how long was your feature set there? 20 minutes? Uh, I would do 25 to 30. Okay. Time. So that's, there's no time like that here, is yeah. there? I mean, um, I mean, unless it's like a special show, right? No, yeah, unless, it's pretty yeah. rare that you're going to do half an hour. How do you yeah. find that adjustment going back to doing that? Going from the city to doing that, it's always like an adjustment. I find, because I'm not on the road enough yeah. that I can stay in that rhythm, and I find the first two shows, like, they won't be bad, but it'll just, I can tell personally, like, oh, I don't have, like, the rhythm of, like, the longer set. You yeah. know what I mean? Where you, like, stretch your legs, you play around, you take your time and just have fun i hurry a lot yeah not that i'm doing 30 right? minute sets but like because uh, you write out your set list and you're just yeah, running down and you're it. like oh, okay i can notice that too in my recordings like just when i was just overseas like those shows it was like it was like okay you have 20 minutes to play here slow the fuck down you're yeah, not yeah. banging out seven yeah. minute 10 minute sets that's the thing when you go from like a shorter set to doing longer 25 30 or people that are headlining like you your initial idea is just like, okay, fill the time. Yeah. And then you're looking at a list of jokes and you're just like, and then as you do it more and more, you're like thinking about the actual material itself instead of just filling that space. Yeah. And it becomes much, much easier. I and think. plus like you, you're a funny person. Be funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's like the biggest thing that was like a mm -hmm. moment of like epiphany, whatever yeah. realization where you're like, Hey, just relax. You, mm. you know what you're doing. Yeah. Like, you know, and that, longer period of time allows you to relax because you're like, I don't have to kill it for eight to 10 minutes. Yeah. That's all I have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, um, what, how do you deal with the rust? Like if you take a couple, like I have this problem, if I take like, cause I'm like, I'm doing a lot every day, like in terms of mics and shows, whatever them, obviously more mics and shows. Mm -hmm. Um, if I take like two days off the first one back, I'm like, I just feel like out of it. Um, yeah. do you just, have that problem or is it? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just jump right back into it. But it seems like, because, like, people, like, one of my friends is, like, in LA, he's, like, he'll take, like, four days off, and he's, like, dude, that's in your head. There's no rust. But I can feel it. So do you think mm -hmm. it's a mental thing, or is it real? I mean, I think, it has to be mental. I think both can be a little bit true, but yeah. if there is rust, then just accept that, like, you just have to get back into it. Yeah. And try not to think about, like, nailing the outcome. Yeah. I'll feel that way if I take a couple days, and especially, that's why if I have, like, a show and I haven't done comedy in a couple days, I'll always try to get a mic in before that because it's like oh, i don't want to just that's the one thing i'm not sure i mean i don't i think i'll always be based here but like i can't imagine a place where i i don't want to say I freak out but like if you're in any other place in the country where you're like hey what do you guys want to do and i'm like i just want to go to a mic go do something or a show or whatever though and because here you can always get like a five minute warm-up set somewhere mm -hmm. anywhere in the city you know yeah. what i mean and, and there's just no other place in the world like that mm -hmm. and it's and it's such a unique thing are, are you playing like do you have LA in your future at all? Uh, I went out there with my girlfriend. Um, I want to say I gotta stop playing with this. Picks up on the mic. Uh, like six months ago, and it was great. Yeah. And I definitely, I think I would like to go there, but that is the only thing that's holding me back. The only thing holding me back. No, it's not. But um, what gives me pause is like talking to comedians out there, and being like, yeah, you don't, you know, stand up is not. Clearly, we're all like stand-ups, but like, it's not like New York. You're not going from spot to spot to no. mic to mic. I sat in a car one day because, like, one day I'm like, let's just do mics, and mm -hmm. I sat in a car for over seven hours, and we got up once. Really? Because they have lotteries there; they don't necessarily get up. But yeah, once yeah. you start knowing people, they get mm -hmm. you up. Yeah. Which it's nice if you're on the good side of it, but mm -hmm. then you're like, you feel like a prick because yeah. you're just like, you know. But and there's a lot of actors there too, and there's mm -hmm. a lot of hangouters. Like, sure. There's people that just. And that's the other thing too. Is like a. Coming from New York, like I'm f 
fortunate enough, both are to like, we went and knew enough people to have like one or two spots every night that we were there, Yeah, you know? which is great, but that's just not the reality. Of yeah, what for you know. sure. There yeah. Are, there are headliners that don't get that. There, I went know, like so. last minute and then like some friends like hooked me up with like, you know, to like some people to talk to. And then when even you get to the shows and you see it all, you're like, Jesus, these guys book three and four months out. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, New York is pretty far out too, but not like that. Not like I mean, that, it's yeah. not, and there's. There's like a line of people there mm-hmm. that I don't I know. I think how it's to, due to that scarcity of stage time. I know? think it must be because mm-hmm. like the like there's like rooms that are down in like San Diego and it's like it's not uncommon for those guys like oh we'll get on to like uh, San Diego it's like a two and a half hour drive and we'll go yeah. to your spots like that's like where I'm from going to Chicago but that's like to do one show not three mm-hmm. and it's like I don't know it's just it's it's very different I think. Yeah. The idea of if you had a project to work on out there, you could go out there and do it. You know, basically your income's coming from like a show or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then once, you know, because you can use that as a vehicle to get maybe better spots. But starting in L.A., I think would be so fucking hard. I don't know how anyone. Yeah. I mean. And that's like another, yet again, another like hugely uh, different kind of respect I have. There's a guy, um, he's so fucking funny, uh, Jake Weissman, who uh, is hysterical and I believe he started in LA and I am blown away by like just how good he is wow. in stand up and having and there's tons of people like that out there where you're just like, Wow, how did you do it here of all places? Yeah, it's amazing. I guess it's like it's all what you're used to. So, mm-hmm. you know, that makes sense too. But then I mean, LA is so vast, you know, in terms of like there's places that my friend uh, like Guido who's a comic that's out there, like he is from Michigan as well. And like he just kind of is getting like plugged into different shows. He's like, I never even heard about these ones in Long Beach, and mm-hmm. now or yeah, Long Beach. And he's just like, there's more out there now. I don't have to just hang out in Hollywood. Because if you go to the store, I mean, there's 200 people hanging out there nightly, every night, waiting to go up. You know, yeah. what I mean, just on the mics and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's uh, versus here in New York. I mean, people hang out, but not like that. It's yeah. not like one place. You know, it's not like I don't know. It's weird. What did you always know you were coming to New York when you started comedy? Uh, no, I was thinking about. Um, I was in Cincinnati. Was it like three years? And then I thought about going to Chicago or Atlanta or New York. L.A. was a little too far. Um, and I just knew I knew a couple of people that had gone to New York. And then the other thing was that my friend moved to Chicago. Uh, and he lives here now, uh, Alex Stone. Okay. But when I started, he, he, he was like, um, I think, three years in. And he was just great already. And I would imitate him. Uh, not consciously. Yeah. But just I looking back now, and people even say it today, they're like, yeah, you guys sound similar. It's like, well, I mean, I guess that's what it is. But I distinctly remember I was like, oh, I can't go to Chicago because I'll just keep sounding. <laughs> yeah. Alex. So then I decided New York or Atlanta because I didn't want to have a car anymore. Yeah. I knew people. That, like that. Atlanta, see, I haven't been down there yet, but it seems like really good. The guys I've met up here that are from Atlanta, I heard that Star Bar place is amazing. Have yeah. you done that? I've been there. I have never gone up there. Okay. I, I went to Star Bar when I went to Atlanta to like think about moving there. Yeah. Uh, and it's a great, amazing show. Yeah. yeah. It's very cool. And the room is like so well set up. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's got its own legacy now. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? When you say like, you know, so you, like in terms of like future, do you still see yourself like you want to be a road headliner? Is that something that's still a goal or do you want to be set up here or what? Um, I do want to be a road headliner. I want to like be able to go, but I just want to like have like TV spots or I guess maybe in the future how things are evolving, maybe like Netflix spots. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I sure. just, yeah, I would like to. I don't know. I just want to get my shit out there, I think. Yeah. Is there any other city that you would consider, like we talked about L.A. before, too, but, like, Atlanta? Is there something about the South you like? Yeah, I like Atlanta a lot. It's a yeah. very, very fun town. Yeah. And so is Chicago, you know? It seems That's the other thing, too. Like, I do think that, like, New York is the place for great comedians to go, but I think that there's a lie that people tell themselves about whatever city they're in. We're like, this is the place to do comedy because there are so many road dogs that are incredible. Yeah. And you can't, and there's a lot of hacks too, but there are people that are just blowing it away and you've never fucking heard of them. That's you know? where, do you know Stuart Huff? Yeah. I That's Stuart. where, oh mm-hmm. my, the last time I was back in Michigan, uh-huh. like, I uh, like was that, I got to host for him and like, uh, I honestly, he's always told I was a favorite, mm-hmm. but he was a favorite, um, but I had never really seen him and I saw that and I was like, who yeah. the fuck? Mm-hmm. Like, um, incredible, yeah. like citing historical facts mm-hmm. while making, I mean, I've never had to wait to get someone off stage so long because uh-huh. of standing ovations. And that's, 
and I've For done sure. some with like bigger yeah. names. But like, there's people like that. All like I think she's based in LA now, but Jackie Cashian yeah. was a road dog for years, like I think decades, right? And she's incredible. Chad Daniels is another. Oh my like, god, he's my. F- they told me before I met him, they're like, he's, he's he'll be your favorite. Yeah, and like, he's incredible. He's, oh, dude, he's. Yeah, yeah. And he lives in fucking Minnesota. Yeah, with his know? family, it's crazy. Have you heard this podcast at all with uh, Tom Segura and him? I think it's Tom Segura. It's Tom Segura. Kreischer. Oh, Burt Kreischer, excuse me. Yeah, yeah so it's for bearded yeah. giant guys from L.A. But yeah, did you hear that? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, yeah. So it was... Uh, it was very fun to hear him talk about it. <laughs> that guy, mm-hmm. he just did a... He had... A, I just remember like one time. And like everyone, every headliner can handle hecklers for the most part. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anyone just... He'll demolish them. Like, and it's so great. Turn the people at the table against them. Yeah. Like, like, this he... Is, I wasn't there, but it makes me mad that I missed it because he was in town and he did a set at the Knitting Factory. And Chad can get away with, like, a playful misogyny. You yeah, know what I mean? And for he's, sure. he's a great guy. Doesn't mean anything by it. But he'll, like, go there, you know? And he's not afraid yeah. to, like, ruffle your feathers. Especially in New York. He'll do it. Yeah. And a girl didn't like it. And he wasn't, like, cruel, but, like, he just called her on it. And she got mad. She was leaving. <laughs> and apparently on the way out, he just said this. And it makes me laugh so hard. He just looks at her. He goes, see you later. No fucking fun. <laughs> 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 and it kills me. He's Dude. he's very good at that. Yeah, it's like uh, it's something I've said because a lot of New York comics have no idea what a road dog even looks like. Mm-hmm. Versus, I mean, there's guys that make their living that they'll never touch a big city. Like they'll be like uh, mm-hmm. this week in Dubuque, Iowa. You know, yeah. what I mean? and they're paying their family. You know, they're they're, they're supporting a family based mm-hmm. on these like you know gigs that might be at a barbecue joint or might be at these clubs. Like, do you see? I mean, with a lot of clubs closing now, though. Mm-hmm. What do you think is going to happen to those guys? I mean, you're going to see people moving to like indie venues. Maybe not those guys, but I yeah. think there's like a new generation. That's actually what's kind of fun about. People talk about like how there's this, like this oversaturation of festivals cropping up, and I'm sure that that is true to an extent, but what's kind of cool is that those will get you in touch with people that run indie rooms. Yeah. And do great one-nighters or one or two, like stuff that you can strain together. And you can put together tours without a comedy club and you can, you know, start to try to make that work. And I think, you know, it was really actually talking to Stuart Huff about this was really interesting because the feature that was on that, um, they're talking about like, oh, clubs are closing, like our money's drying up. And Stuart was like, actually, I just went and did this hangar in Atlanta and -hmm. they passed the hat around and I made more money than I would make. You know, not an entire weekend, but like for a one nighter. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he's just, and I personally think that's the future. I mean, Mm -hmm. like, I think house shows and indie spots are just the, it's like any type of antiquated business practice. Like mm-hmm. people are just like, why? Like kids like that are not even kids, people that are in their twenties. There's something, there's an entitlement of this generation where it's like two drink minimum, go fuck yourself. I yeah, want to yeah. sneak my flask in, you sure. know what I mean? And yeah. so do you think that is a positive thing or is that just what's happening? I think it just all is, depends on how you look. Yeah, because there's something amazing about a comedy club. Like yeah, yeah. this is the, the the whole feel of it. Yeah, it's. I mean, it is nice from a comedy perspective to just be like, cool. One person has booked me. I'll be here for four to five days, maybe, yeah. and I'll make a big chunk of money, and that's great and comforting. But it's also fucking fun to go to different cool cities, uh, have like crowds like composed of like younger people. Yeah. Who are, like in on like a secret thing that's really fun and that has its own kind of energy where you're like this is pretty special and pretty amazing ideally it seems like just to be able to subsidize your income by doing both of the worlds mm-hmm. yeah absolutely right. well i think that's the goal of what you want for as long yeah. as you can i mean maybe comedy clubs are dying out but i hope that you know i hope they a don't chance to do them for because they're so fun i think there's good ones out there that are run incredibly well that will stick around uh, yeah, I, man, I just, there's like the ones that close, you're like, oh, like there's that Goonies that was up by the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota I always wanted to go to just because I'd heard. And it's like, you know, Chad Daniels would like, I heard people mention him about that. And like, mm-hmm. have you ever been to Acme before? Uh, never been. Went no. to the I've o- actually never been in Minneapolis, St. Paul for college. The scene is so good. We yeah, went up yeah. there and they did a, there's a show called Boy Kisses where it's three guys that do it. It's at a fucking comic book store. <laughs> that was the most, to this day, probably the best run indie show I've been a part of or been on. Uh-huh. And uh, they have like skits in between. It's a packed out standing room comedy show. And then like the next night at Acme, they do an open mic where like, they had over 250 people on mm-hmm. their open mic. This is like a love of comedy in Minneapolis because it's cold as fuck. People want to do it. Uh, in ending, wrapping up here, uh, question for uh, any advice for like a new time comic that isn't get on stage more because that's kind of dickish. 
Oh, um, but do get on. No, uh, <laughs> I don't know. No, it's good advice. It just that's what everybody says. I would say write about things that you're afraid of writing about, or stuff that you feel like you don't want to talk about. Uh, I mean, you don't have to ever, but I think that you'll always find there's stuff to get out of things that you're hesitant to talk about. Um, there's that old like creative writing advice: is uh, write like your parents are dead. Yeah, you know, and stuff like that, and definitely do that you know um because they will be dead and you'll be ahead of the curve uh yeah just go after the things and the more that you do get on stage and not like obviously get on stage a lot but like the more that you get on stage the more that you'll find that that makes the writing all worth it because you'll start also writing on stage then too and you'll yeah i don't know Good. I like that. It's perfect. They, um, but the stage thing is the best advice ever, but just like everybody says sure, it. Sure. And I remember yeah. being newer and like, mm-hmm. but I need more yeah. to distract myself from actually not doing what I'm supposed yeah. to be doing, you know? Yeah. And go back to the, like we were talking about earlier, go back to the rooms that you're afraid of. Yeah. The shows where you did shitty at or the show, like the mics that you're like, that place fucking sucks. Go and go until you get something out of it, you know? Just, or see more girls get, uh, drilled through a metal door to get out of a yeah, broken sure. lock. Yeah, yeah. Have you noticed that locks in New York City always have like the, it's not a padlock, but it's the, there's not just a simple clicker lock. It's all the, yeah. and that there has to be something behind that. Yeah. I always wonder though. They've just been busted up over the decades. Uh, yeah. This comes out tomorrow. Do you have anything coming up shows wise? Um, Are you going home for the holidays? I'm going to Vermont. My girlfriend is comic, uh, Carmen Gala and Very funny. Yeah, yeah. She's great. And we are going up to Vermont for the holidays. I, How waspy. Uh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> we're going to be at Vermont. I fucking don't have the day. Uh, but we're going to be at Vermont Comedy Club uh, around Christmas for uh, the Comics Come Home showcase. Oh, wow. So That's awesome. always kind enough to throw uh, me up on that, even though it's not my home. Cool. I will link it on the info for it. And then where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, at really Sam Evans, And that's where you can find me on uh instagram as well and then i have my own podcast which i am about to release the long-awaited third episode for it's called up your butt and around the corner uh please check that out is that available on itunes itunes stitcher not stitcher itunes and stitcher yeah awesome Mm -hmm. and then uh for me i go to miami tomorrow and i have a show on the 22nd I'm down there for a week. I was trying not to do comedy when I was down there, but then it was like a really good show. I was like, oh, yeah, 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 for sure. But I'll be the only albino one down there. It's called Taurus. And uh, yeah, and I, I don't dress like Jerry, Jason Mraz. So it'll be, uh, <laughs> I did that last time I was down there and made a joke about how for as good looking as all these dudes are, they're tan and ripped. They can't throw a football. Because I was like <laughs> at South Beach watching two dudes play catch and it was horrific. Like and I'm not even a manly man, but. There, I just alienated anyone that wants to come see me in Miami. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for listening. Thanks, Sam, for coming over. We appreciate it. It's yeah, cold man. out. It's cold in here. All right. Have a good day. Bye. Thanks, buddy. Max White, everyone. See something funny. It wasn't funny. I guess I'll just call it Max White Presents. I guess it's decent. Yeah, Max White Presents will work.